Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 54 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. Uh, once again, no co-host this week, and I appreciate everybody's patience with the schedule. As you can see, I I'm not at the Rose abode. I'm in Las Vegas. We're shooting another season of BattleBots, season six, so I don't have a lot of off days, and they can't exactly coincide with the availability of our co-hosts. So I'm going to continue right now a one-on-one -on -one discussion with a particular guest, and today it's Mike Yastrzemski of the San Francisco Giants. Obviously, in baseball lore, you know the last name Yastrzemski, but Mike's story is so much different than that of his Triple Crown winning and Hall of Fame grandfather, Carl, because it took him a while to get through the Orioles system. He had to leave Baltimore to finally get his shot at basically age 30 with the San Francisco Giants, and he has certainly made the most of it. He's a guy that's super smart, worked his way through Vanderbilt, He's super intelligent, he's very appreciative, and uh, he's got a lot of great stories to tell. So let's get to it with Mike Yastrzemski of the San Francisco Giants. Mike Yastrzemski of the San Francisco Giants, good enough to join us. Now, you guys are, are in New York right now, so do you actually travel with Barry Bonds' old recliner? Is that what that is that you're sitting in? Uh, it might be. I don't know. If, if that's the case, I'm very glad to be sitting in it. I mean, you guys have the most pro PR department. If, if that's the chair you travel with, do we take that thing on the road? I mean, that's an impressive setup on the road. Uh, yeah, you know, this is uh, you're in New York, so you got to show out, you know? Okay, I got it. See, I'm in Vegas right now. I'm shooting a show called BattleBots, which I'm sure you've never heard of before. It's a big robot competition. So I'm here for two weeks. Bet is not made, not pro. I do have my San Francisco Giants cap over my shoulder to make you feel comfortable. That is, uh, that's pro. Yeah. Now, are you a, are you a Vegas guy or no? I I've been once. I'm looking to go back. I'd love to golf out there. That would be, you know, that's what I want to go back for for sure. Okay, is the wife on board with going to Vegas? Yay or nay? Yes, she is very cool. Okay, now, are you both East Coasters? Uh, technically, yes. Yeah. So she was born in Connecticut, and then they kind of moved around a little bit when she was young. But most of her time has been in Nashville. Okay. She an athlete? She is very good athlete. She played lacrosse at Vandy, so that's actually how we met. Okay, now that, now now we're going a different direction. Is she was she a better lacrosse player than you are a baseball player? I would say yes. She would also say yes. <laughs> was she, okay, was she a badass out there? Was she knocking people? A hundred percent. So one of the teams that she played on, I think they were two and twelve. And she played defense and they lost 12 games and she was still first team all defense in, in their conference, which is hard to do. It's like, it's like winning a gold glove while making a hundred errors, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Uh, so when you started, like first started dating there and you start showing up to the lacrosse games and stuff, like, does this get you big time points? How's that work? I think it does because I only made it to like two or three just because our schedules were always kind of, yeah. you know, in the same season. So that was tough. But when I did make it, I think it lasted at least a couple weeks of points, you know. So that was those were big. You know, with Vandy baseball, it's become so big over the last 10 to 15 years in particular. You guys can't take like the the rock and jock classes, can you? You got to be like legit students, don't you? Yeah, that's probably the hardest thing about being there. It's like you are an actual part of the student body. There's no, you know, you're an athlete. You just can cruise along. Um, you know, there's a certain standard that has to be upheld there. And Corp states that 
right when you get there. That was honestly like one of the biggest things that made me go back from my senior year is he tells us that, you know, you can take your your graduation certificate to the grave. Like that is something that will never leave you. You'll always be a Vandy graduate. And that kind of drew me back. You know, that was something that I wasn't going to be able to have the opportunity to do or to get back. And so, you know, that type of culture and atmosphere just creates a, a heightened awareness of everything and a, and a bigger commitment to everything. And that kind of helps you grow up as a human. And, you know, especially once you leave the college atmosphere, you start to fit into to the real world a little better. So what'd you get your degree in? I actually made my own major. So I wanted to tell good now. Are yeah. you sure you didn't go to Vandy online school? That's yeah, that sounds like some crazy <laughs> shit. So it's called interdisciplinary studies. It's actually a really cool process because it's a liberal arts school. And so you can go through the course catalog and you pull 15 courses, I think is what it is. And you write an essay to the dean and say, here's what I want to study, why I want to study it and why I think it'll help me out. Oh my God. And so I wanted to be in um, like criminology. I was into like the FBI, CIA, that yes. type of stuff. And we would have class checkers. So we couldn't miss class. So I told myself, I was like, I can't sign up for these classes that I'm not interested in because I, it'll be really hard for me to show up and then I'll get in trouble and I don't want to be that guy. And so I, I, they didn't have criminology. So I kind of mock made criminology It's called crime and society. So it was a combination of sociology, psychology. Um, they did have a few like crime classes. They had like a prison life class, which was really cool. That was probably one of my favorite classes that I ever took. Um, so yeah, it was, it worked out. Did you have to spend a night in prison? No, but we got to visit some and it was pretty crazy. <laughs> You're like, I'm not even jaywalking from here no. on out. I'm no. out. I'm a rule follower from here on out. Good. All right. So I'm a big crime show guy. Are you yep. a law and order guy? Uh, yeah, I like law and order. Kind of fell off law and order. Um, I went through all the crime shows at one point, but. Criminal yeah. Minds? Yep. Big criminal okay. minds fan. Now that's the scary one because you know that like those are taken from the real stories. <laughs> yeah. Right. Those are the ones that you watch during daylight. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not watching those in bed alone at night. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you this: when Silence of the Lambs came out, and I'm a hundred years older than you are, but it came out when I was in college. I watched it in the middle of the afternoon in my dorm room, and I was still scared shitless. Yeah. That that makes sense. That was like when I watched like The Ring. You know, you ever watched The Ring? No. Is that one brutal? Uh, don't, it was, you know, it was back in the day, but I was probably in middle school when I watched wow. it and girls crawling out of this, like haunted girls crawling out of the TV. And I like couldn't watch TV for like a month. I was terrified. You're checking out. I'm done. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned Vandy and, and there's so many guys that played for the Commodores that are in the show. When you take one like Sonny Gray deep, how long are you allowed to own that over him? Um, I had a lot of practice over quarantine. So that, you know, some may weigh it differently, but that's something that I have for life, I think. Um, you know, the funny thing is, though, is like Sonny was kind of happy about it. Like he like kind of smiled and was like, he told me he was happy I hit a homer off him. And I didn't really understand that, but he, I think it was genuine. I think it was really genuine the fact that he got pure like joy out of that because we were roommates. He knows my life story. You know, he knows everything about me and he knows how hard it was for me to get here. And, he was like genuinely excited for me, no matter who I'm facing, you know, like that's kind of the relationship that, that you build. And we were roommates and spent a ton of time together and 
have a lot of similar paths. And so, um, you know, I, I probably hold that more personally than he does, but um, it was, that was one of my favorite homers that I've ever hit for sure. That's cool. I love hearing that. Um, what was the best thing about being Sonny Gray's roommate? Oof. Um, hmm. Can he cook? Is he clean? No. Is he, fun, is he fun gamer? Does he help he's, you with your homework? He's fun. He is very fun. Like he was, I'm a very low key guy and he has so much energy and he brought that out of me, you know? So I was able to become better with people skills and be more social and um, just really learn to enjoy life more than I probably was at the time. What's the worst part about being a Sunny Gray's roommate? He's all over the place. Like we'd be, we would, <laughs> we so would be like, we'd be, we'd be walking somewhere for dinner and we'd be halfway there and he would change his mind and we'd have to walk like three times the distance to go somewhere else. And then we'd stop halfway there and go like, he, he couldn't make up his mind. So like, any sort of food, like clothes, like we would share closets. So we, there were three of us. Um, our other roommate was Riley Reynolds and we had one closet that we just put all of our clothes in and it was just like this free for all. And so you'd leave with like half of your stuff and half of somebody else's stuff. And cause we're all the same size. And so it was, those were the fun things that we got to experience. And Sonny was like the leader of that. He's like, yeah, just throw it in here. We're good. Like, don't worry about it. We're fine. I'm like, okay, here we go. I guarantee you, you still have one of Sonny Gray's shirts somewhere in the wardrobe. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know about the last name. When you were growing up in the Northeast <laughs> and you played, because I had read you played either some all-star games or some big stuff at Fenway. Mm -hmm. You were playing in the outfield for the first time. Could you embrace how big it was? <laughs> no, I, I didn't have like a a great grasp of it. Um, I think I've told this story maybe a few times, but I never really grasped the longevity of my grandfather's career until I was done with college. I was 23 and he played 23 years for the same team. So to like envision my entire lifespan that he showed up to Fenway park every single day, that's when it kind of hit me. I was like, man, that is so ridiculous. And it's never going to happen again. Like I'm convinced that will never happen again, that somebody plays that long for one team. Yep. I think Jeter's probably the last person that will see that goes on a 20 year span with, with a single club. You know, I got to tell you this. I, I don't know if you were even, what year were you born? 90, 1990. Okay. Right before that, my senior year in high school, I interned at a radio station in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm. We used to get guests to come in. They were pitching books or whatever. In walks your grandfather. And this is the first time I have a chance. I'm a huge baseball fan. First chance I have to meet a superstar. Uh -huh. He walks in and he was the nicest guy. And I'm kicking myself because I looked all over the house and I cannot find the picture. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. The but he had, a, he had a book that had come out and he was just so nice to everyone. And I was like, this is... This is incredible. And then, well, to, you know, that's great to hear. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And then I can't imagine for you, like when you guys catch first pitches at home, it's kind of weird. You know, nobody wants to do it. They always get the guy at the bag. Like sometimes the bullpen catcher goes out and I get all that. For you to have caught a first pitch on the road in the area where you grew up from your grandfather is such a remarkable memory for you. It had yeah. to be. That was. I honestly, like, I was really hesitant to do it because it felt so strange, right? Like being an opposing player on the road, catching the first pitch. And I was like, 
I'll do it, but only if my grandfather wants to, you know, like, I'm not going to be the one to force this into, you know, I don't want this to be my fault that he has to go out in front of everybody and throw a first pitch, you know? And so he said he wanted to do it. And I was like, all right, that's, that's fine with me. But I, has that ever happened before? Like, I, I no. don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's a, that's like a once in a potentially era thing, you know, like, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. That was so cool. What did he say to you when you walked up to him? He just said, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. It yeah. worked because the shot of your family is you're circling the pillows and to get a standing ovation on the road when you hit a home run is that is a memory you're going to have forever. Like, did you talk to your wife afterward and say, shit, I cannot believe that happened to me. Yeah. Like we talked about it. We still talk about it. It was so crazy and bizarre. And I always say that, like, I think I knew more people in the stands than I didn't, you know, <laughs> like, especially that first game, it was like, everywhere I looked, I recognized somebody, um, like any, anyone from growing up from when I was five years old until I was 18 and went away for college. It was like everyone I ever knew in my entire life was there. And it was so cool. It was special. Have you and your grandfather talked about what it would be like for you to win a World Series since he had a chance in 67, he had a chance in 75, it didn't work out. Have you guys talked about how special it would be for your family? No, we really haven't talked about it. Um, he's a very present moment guy. And so whenever we're talking, it's always about the game from last night and moving forward to this next game or, you know, what's going on in daily life, how his fishing's going, how his golf game is, things like that. So um, no, we actually haven't even like brought that up remotely in a conversation, which is kind of crazy. Hey guys, I get it. It's not easy talking about ED, but still you need some help. There's a place for you to go. And our friends at Roman, they are here to lend a helping hand with Roman. You get a free online evaluation with an ED plan, a treatment plan. If medications involved, it ships out two days, free shipping. It's very simple. The best part of this, it's from the comforts of your own home. You don't have to stand in line in a pharmacy. You don't have to go talk to a doctor and go to a doctor's office. It is from your home. Go get this taken care of. So go to Roman getroman.com slash John Boy, and you'll get $15 off your first month. So let me repeat that without tripping over it this time. Getroman.com slash John Boy. You're going to get $15 off your first month. ED, it's a problem that can be solved thanks to Roman. Go get it done today. You know, you you really kind of burst onto the scene, and there were probably a lot of people like, wait, that's that's Carl's grandson, you know, in 2019. You, they didn't know the struggle for you for years in the Orioles organization. Did you ever contemplate quitting? Yeah, a um, couple times. And then especially, actually, right before the 19th season, I was like really, really genuinely like ready to quit. I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to hang it up. But, you know, I'm, you know, they haven't invited me to big league camp one time. I've had good years. I've had bad years. Um, and I, and I haven't even gotten a chance to go to camp. So like, if I don't go to camp, there's no way I'm showing up. And so somehow I got invited to camp and then I got sent down to minor league camp before minor league camp even started. And so I was just like, man, this is not good. I need to, I needed to try and take one chance to get out of here. And if I can and try and find a path and a different organization, then 
I was talking to a buddy of mine, Steve Wilkerson, who had just been uh, designated and he had been designated that day and we were just talking and he's like, yeah, like you just like, we both got to get out of here. I was like, yeah, I know. So I said, you know, I was looking around the league and I saw that San Francisco needs some outfield help. I'd love to get traded there because it seems like there's a good shot. And the next day I got traded there. Oh my God. And it was one of those like eerie conversations where we both kind of looked at each other the next day. We're like, was somebody listening? Who, who made this happen? Cause it was, it was eerie. What do you think? Why do you think he didn't quit when you were, let's say 26? And I mean, listen, you're a bright guy. You've got a Vandy degree. You're probably thinking, okay, I've given it a shot. It's not going to happen. And it, that's okay. Why do you think you kept going? Um, I think the biggest part of it was Paige. Um, she was just like, look, we haven't gone through all this for nothing. Like you can't just end it on your terms, like make somebody else force you to leave this game. That's always what you said you wanted to happen, that you were going to play until somebody ripped the Jersey off your back. So why would you do that to yourself now? And so that really resonated with me and made me think back to why I was even playing in the first place. And it was because, I love baseball and I wanted to be here and I wanted to make my dream a reality. And so she brought me right back to the headspace that I needed and just kind of kept me in line and made sure that I was giving it, as long as I was giving it everything I had, then we would find some way to make something work. And she was the, the rock for that. That's so cool. Yeah. But I had to page by the way. Yeah, nice. exactly. yeah. Did you cry the day you got called up? I did not. I was too shocked. Um, and I got called too late to like even really recognize what was going on. I got called at 12.35. We were supposed to have a 4 a.m. bus to the airport to take a flight somewhere in AAA. I don't really remember where it was. And I couldn't fall asleep for some reason. Like I was just tossing and turning all night. I get a call at 12.35 from our manager and he tells me that I that I was called up. And I was like, all right, that's that's amazing. So like, what's the next step? And he's like, well, there's going to be a car that'll pick you up at seven o'clock in the morning. You have a day game in San Francisco. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> great. Like, yeah, this is, this is going to work out really well for me. And it's a two hour ride from Sacramento. So I showed up at the park at like nine 30, 10 and saw that I was in the lineup and on 15 minutes of sleep that night and was ready to go. Who welcomed you? I mean, it's that, that's so weird. Like you don't have, any equity in the organization, right? You just basically gotten there. Didn't know anybody in that clubhouse except for Longo. Longo was the only person that I had met. Um, he came down to Vandy because he was teammates with Kurt in huh. Tampa. And so Kurt I met Vitalia. him. Yeah, but I met him, I guess it was in 2018. So yeah, 2018. So, and then I guess a year later, I was playing with him. How the heck does that go when you're brand new to an organization guys you walk in guys are like well who did that who that like did yeah. you walk up to buster posing you're like hey buster how you doing bro uh, i did buster was one of the first people i met actually we kind of made eye contact and you make that like awkward eye contact like i know i don't know you but i should introduce myself and he was great came over and introduced himself and that made me feel a lot more comfortable you know like knowing shaking buster posey's hand is really cool thing to do <laughs> um you know he's in my opinion he's a first ballot hall of famer and he's done just about one just about everything he can in baseball you know if he got on the mound i'm sure he'd win the cy young yep. somehow some way he would do it you know 
And so that was, that was comforting to have somebody of that stature and nature be welcoming and make sure that you felt comfortable and like you're at home. So, um, you know, it's up to, you know, not to put any more pressure on guys like that, but like, it is up to them to, to let you know that you're in a good spot and you're going to be okay. And things are going to be great. Hey, one of my favorite places to visit in the baseball landscape, of course, is the baseball hall of fame up in Cooperstown, New York. Well, you know what? Why can't the Hall of Fame come to you on your mobile device or on your TV, wherever you consume your product? Uh, Hall of Fame Connections. It's a unique 13-episode YouTube series. Brand new episodes drop each and every Wednesday. It looks at the Hall of Fame collection from a new and kind of exciting angle. Each episode tells a different story of how two seemingly unrelated artifacts in the museum actually weave together through generations. So it's very cool. It's co-hosted by my good friend, Carlos Pena, from the MLB Network. He's a former All-Star. And Lindsay Barra. Last name sound familiar? It should. She's a journalist, and she is the granddaughter of the Hall of Famer, Yogi Berra. So new episodes drop every Wednesday. Also, support for this series was provided by the Market New York grant through I Love New York, New York State Division of Tourism, as part of the Regional Economic Development Council Initiative. And to stay up to date with the release of each and every episode of Hall of Fame Connections, follow the Baseball Hall of Fame social media channels at Baseball Hall on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Got a couple more minutes with Mikey Stremski, and I do appreciate your time greatly. Buster's a lot funnier than people know because he's got, right? He is. That's, that's a fact. And the man can drink his beer, too. I know that one. <laughs> I know that one for a fact. Um, you mentioned the Orioles organization. One of my usual co-hosts on the show is Stephen Brault. Mm. Big fan of Stephen Brault. Yeah, we who's spent, not? We spent, lot, we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. So you I heard a lot of his... him. I watched him win a karaoke contest in Aberdeen, Maryland. More, oh, yeah. please. Um, we were at the Green Turtle, and they had a uh, they had a karaoke. They had a karaoke contest, and I forget what song he sang, but it was uh, it was something along the lines of like Ave Maria, you know, like really high notes, and like mm-hmm. we we knew Brawl could sing, and he all of a sudden was just like, "Hey, I'm going to enter," and we're like, "Yeah, you should." And then he started singing, and we all just kind of looked at each other, we're like, "What what is going on right now?" <laughs> and he he ended up winning. I think he won like a thousand bucks which was a big deal at that time. Yeah. He, uh, that, so was, that was great. Did he keep singing on the bus trips or did y'all have to tell him to shut up occasionally? We would tell him to shut up at times, you know, but it w- at least it was good. You know, like it was, it was great. I, I really enjoyed playing with him though. He was fun. All right. Can I admit something? Um, early Maybe. in the year, first six weeks, you guys were an amazing story. And yeah. I was like, they're cute little story. This mm-hmm. is not Farhan's plan. It's not to be good this year. It's to mm-hmm. keep turning over the organization. The old guys will hit the road after this year. They had a great run. He's supposed to be the bad guy to let, you know, Crawford walk and belt walk and all that sort of stuff. And whomever's left around will build around them eventually. Yeah. I didn't see this. What do you say to all the idiots like me where you guys are killing it? Just say, I hope you've enjoyed you know, it's been really fun for us. And I think it's a great story, you know, and it's the resurgence of guys like Crawl, Belt, Buster, Longo. It's so good for the game. 
right? It's, it's like have faith in your guys that have been around and they're veterans for a reason. They've stuck around for this long because they're really good. And people, people who watch baseball don't understand how hard this game is and how easy it is to not have a good year or how easy it is to get hurt or feel down about yourself. And then how hard it is to come back from that and how much of a mental battle this is every day. And when you see those success stories, it brings you back to that like baseball nostalgia. Like these are the superstars who are supposed to be good and they are really good. Like this is incredible. That's how like story tales are written. And so they never, I'll, I'll never forget when we were playing together in 19 and 20 and hearing Buster and Kron Longo say like, I don't want to hear anybody say the word rebuild one more time. Like, let's go out and win a game. Like, screw a rebuild. We're still here. We're going to play hard. We're going to do our best and it's going to come full circle. And when those guys have that confidence and know, you know, that they are playing at their best ability, it's really, really hard to stop them. And to be a part of it in any facet is so cool. Just to be watching these guys from the dugout, to be playing with them in the lineup, to be a part of this organization is extremely special right now. Hey, want to tell you about another podcast here on the John Boy Media Networks. And that, of course, is The Compound. It's the only one that is hosted by active major league players. It's pretty cool. Of course, you got Ian Happ of the Chicago Cubs, Dakota Meccas. He's a pitcher in the Cubs system as well. And Zach Short, who is a shortstop for the Detroit Tigers. So they cover it all, uh, their successes, their failures, how they're dealing with winning, losing, their days in the minors the bus trips, all sorts of stuff. So it is really kind of inside the life of the baseball player. It's very similar to what we do here on the Rose Rotation, except they don't have some 50-year-old dad bod guy who's out of shape and stopped playing baseball in eighth grade trying to host the show. They legit know what they're talking about. So keep tuning into the compound. Download it wherever you get your podcast today. Two more questions, I'll let you go. Perfect. Chris Bryant got traded here. <laughs> Did y'all high five? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we were celebrating in the dugout or in the locker room before he even showed up. You know, like he's an impact player and a great guy. That's the number one thing. And I think that was something that was really cool that Farhan has mentioned, you know, not wanting to really stir up the chemistry that we have going because we're having a lot of fun and our group is special. And I think that's the the most important thing. You know, when everybody talks about, you know, does winning create chemistry? Does chemistry create winning? You know, there's not really a, a straight formula for that, but I think that it's all tied together, obviously. And Chris is the type of guy that when he got here, he he just added value on all sides. Same thing with Wadi. Wadi's the same way. A lot, a lot of us know Wadi. And when I saw that Wadi was coming back, I was so excited. Awesome clubhouse guy, really fun to be around knows how to pitch, knows how to get outs, reliable. Um, you know, we like to call him the the father of the bullpen. You know, he keeps all those guys in line and um, make sure that they're having fun and having a good time. That's awesome. And last thing we'll finish on, this is what we do with all of our guests. We spin the wheel of moderately interesting things. We're not very smart here, Chris. Rush, we do moderately interesting. I love that. You're welcome. You're welcome. See, I knew the Vandy guy would appreciate it. Nobody else does. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Only fans. I know. That always gets an eyebrow raised. You're good. Paige is not going to be mad. Um, 
What's your uh, your favorite sports team outside of the one you play for? Like when you were a kid, like that's my live and die. New England Patriots. Oh, Christ. Yep. I knew it was coming. Yep, had to be. I mean, it's, it was, I got to live through all of it. You know, like I, I was there when Brady was drafted, when Bledsoe got hurt, when he stepped in and made that huge pass, and then for every Super Bowl that he won for us. And I always say that he is one of two people in the world that I would be like completely starstruck if I met. Like, wouldn't know what to say, would be like, fumbling for words would be a complete, you know, fanboy idiot, no doubt. But, you know, that's that's my guy. And I was heartbroken when he left, but I'm happy for him, kind of. Were you, hold on, were you happy last year? Yeah, I I was. All right, good. I I am, I'm a New England Patriots fan, but I'm also forever a Tom Brady fan for, I can never be the person that looks back and be like, you know, how dare he go to a different team? Like he's got his own personal choices that he has to make. And, and I'll always be a fan of his. And I'm happy that if the Patriots can't win, that he gets to keep winning because that that's fun. He probably is a Mike Yastrzemski fan. I mean, grew up in Northern California, Giants guy. I'd be, I would be stunned if, he, if that were true, but that would be amazing. We're going to get that to him. By the way, who's the other person that you would be fanboy over? Mark Wahlberg. Couple, couple, you know, a lot of Boston relations there, you know. That hasn't happened yet. I'm shocked. Uh, no, not yet. Well, hopefully it'll happen. You know, be a cool one. He's another one I would just like not know what to say to. You know, I don't know why. I, I've met some really cool people, just fortunately, and I've felt very fine around them. But I have that feeling before I even met them, so I know if I do meet them, it'll just be an absolute disaster. <laughs> Stop. Hey, but did you go to any of the Patriots Super Bowls or no? I did not. No, I've never been to a Super Bowl. I need to get to a Super Bowl. I'm an NFL Network guy. I can help you out. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a couch guy. You know, I like I like having my beer and snacks ready at hand. I don't have to walk to go get them, you know? And the bathroom line is way shorter, too, at home. Way, depends who's around, you know? Depends how many people <laughs> you got it over. You know, hey, but you get a few of those Yastrzemskis together. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> you don't know. But, yeah, that would be something really cool that I, I – definitely dream of doing at some point Mike it was a pleasure getting to know you I, I know on game day it, it your your time is short so believe me I really really appreciate you making absolutely it this is a blast I appreciate it yeah we'll do it again somewhere down the line tell all the Giants hi and you always want Chris Rose picking against you by the way you don't ever yeah. want a kid from Cleveland picking your team because that shit never works I'll, I'll let them know you apologize for your beginning of the year thoughts I've been on board, though, since June. I was like, make a big trade. Let's go. If we're going in, let's dive into the pool. Might as well. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in once again to the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.